A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another Wrestling Roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamper and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews roundtable discussions like this one and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on WrestleCulture. as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick and sir we are gathered on we are socially distanced here today let's talk about what is really going on in wwe obviously there has been a, a great deal of things recently uh releases just all the time particularly uh just over the weekend uh, with a whole wave of guys from NXT, you know, Bronson Reeds, Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, etc., all gone. And then the subsequent announcement, there is going to be sort of major changes in NXT. Uh, as we delve into this pamphlet, first of all, your thoughts on the, the news we heard over the weekend. I hate to trivialise people losing their jobs, especially because pandemic should be used present tense rather than past. But it's, um, it's starting to become numb now when you hear the latest like list of names and there's always one or two headline names. And then I always feel even sadder for those that kind of fall underneath the headline names just as much because people lose their jobs and we just don't like to see it. But this is the new normal for WWE now. Um, we've had about a year and a half of these lists. And I think on a various other podcasts, we've discussed releases specifically and said, maybe Roman Reigns would be a shock. Maybe a Charlotte Flair, Rebecca Lynch or whatever would be a shock. Unfortunately, when Braun Strowman kind of reset the precedent Everyone else since then hasn't been such a sort of knock you off your chair surprise. It does lead to wider conversations such as this one about the reshaping of WB. And I don't think necessarily all of that is for the worst. I just feel like it's important to sort of distinguish between the releases and the changes that could be being made internally. There are a number of things that I'm sure we'll get to in this one, but it's fair to say a number of processes strictly as a wrestling show haven't worked for a while now, regardless of how well this content factory works at flogging its content. So maybe these, some of these wholesale changes, unpopular as they may be, maybe some of them are overdue. Yes, yeah, I said this when we talked about it on the news this morning, me and Andy. I felt incredibly guilty, obviously. I never want to see anyone lose their jobs, um, particularly within WWE. But it, some of this is almost necessary to change the company, isn't it? Not the firings, but the, 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 the changes that they are clearly planning to make. Yeah, let me try and reframe this in a different way. It's not on that they fired so many people because 
realistically, a lot of these guys have to relocate their cells and their entire families to a state that they might not necessarily want to live in. Not casting any aspersions on uh, Florida um, or anything of the sort, but they have to uproot their entire lives for the promise of performing for a unbelievably financially secure pro wrestling company. And now they don't have jobs anymore, despite the existing paradigm, which has now completely been broken, um, of, well, this company's got loads of money. They are after loads of talent. I'm a smaller, technically accomplished guy. I'll have a nice little home on NXT, and who knows, maybe I'll be one of the rare people that doesn't get totally annihilated um, on NXT. These people should not have been hired in the first place. We know exactly why they were recruited. They were never recruited personally by Vince McMahon, who thought that's a needle-moving superstar I can use to make a lot of money from, and they can make a lot of money in the process. Vince McMahon, I would hazard a guess, hasn't heard of or even laid eyes upon, I would say, about 40% mm. of his working independent contractors. This entire thing was untenable. It's become agonizingly clear that they were never going to win any pro wrestling wars or maintain their monopoly through this practice. They've since abandoned it, abandoned it, sorry. It sucks. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. It's not so much the names of the released that shocked me, um, just to feed into the question uh, that Hamlet answered earlier. It was more who actually did the firings. Like that is a monumental shift in the power structures of WWE. Um, on a happier note, whether they should be or not on a, from an ethical standpoint is another matter, but the independents in America are coming back. Um, there are several places, thankfully, in which to work. Um, so it doesn't quite have that you total bastards mm. sort of feel that the Black Wednesday early pandemic releases had. Um, so there is that to look on the bright side um, on behalf of those talents who should get to show their talents um, in the coming months. Shocking, but not surprising, particularly given the central point I will make later in this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, Sid, obviously you were away uh, the week after the, the weekend where we heard about Bray Wyatt getting released and the age-old budget cuts excuse being used. Uh, this is different, I suppose, in terms of their justifications for this, in terms of, well, just boiling it back to Vince's most base desires, uh, getting rid of the small guys and also now making us a, a sort of cut off with, with age as well. Uh, Hamlet sort of alluded to this with the Bray Wyatt thing. Do you think it's, it, it, you know, the hand of Nick Khan featuring her more and more prominently when it comes to these releases? Um, yes, I would say so. But ultimately, I still think the decision rests with Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon undertaking decisions with shareholders in mind. What people don't get when they think, well, WWE is future-proof for at least the next however many years through the TV rights fees that they've generated. And the current complexion of that landscape means they're not likely to change fund like fundamentally. If anything, they'll get as much, if not more, money. Um, so, yeah, I can understand that Nick Khan's rise and in influence has unfolded in parallel with... Um, this wave of releases that mm -hmm. we've seen, which was so unlike the WWE of 2019, for example, when several people who the WWE of 2021 would be more than happy to let go were virtually imprisoned and they were unable to be released. So yes, I think Nick Khan does um, have an influence over Vince McMahon in that regard. But ultimately, I think he's just realized that he's spending money for absolutely zero reason. 
this weird, glorified, big-budget, super-indie approach has done nothing to quell this underground movement. Not that a billionaire-funded alternative can be classified as such, but you know what I mean. There are certain things that AEW has done, and we get, we'll get onto more of that later. There's certain things they've done um, that do emulate, if you like, an underground pro wrestling company, even though they are funded by a billionaire. And I think Vince has just realized that this is not him. And I think there are certain two trusted old lieutenants who've gotten his ear and told him like, are these, you know, skinny fat asses, really WWE superstars? I think not. Yeah. We'll, we'll focus more in on, on the eight, the major changes they're looking to make in NXT in due course. But Sid alluded to it there, Hamlet. Do you think this would have happened if AEW didn't exist? Like, have they just come to this realisation, as Sid alludes to it there, of actually, you know, it's belt tightening, not because they need to tighten their belts, but they just can. They realise, actually, we don't necessarily need these, you know, name all these names on the book sort of thing, and we can run a tighter ship. So in their eyes, that is genuine budget cuts. But yeah, is this for you, Hamlet, a reaction to, to AEW from WWE? I think perhaps naturally um, the industry or this particular WWE as this arm of this industry might have gotten there, but certainly AEW's existence has expedited it. Mm. Um, And to be honest, indirectly, if we're talking specifically about AEW, it's WWE's reactions to AEW that have expedited it. The uh, kind of the the catastrophic nature of the loss of the Wednesday Night War, um, which, you know, we've dug into before the various reasons of why that failed, but ultimately what that ultimately reflected in terms of WWE kind of having the arrogance to believe it could put up its third brand against AEW and just deal with it as a minor problem and not really seeing it for what it was. And that being that it could take fans away because fans just want to watch like something resembling the good wrestling that they maybe started watching once upon a time or the various other amazing things that AEW has brought in terms of its product and in terms of its output that WWE simply doesn't want to do philosophically anymore that I guess it arrogantly assumed NXT still did. Um, So no, I don't think, to be honest, I think if it was going to get, it would have got here eventually because there is a history of Vince McMahon making wholesale changes at the top um, taking a look at his business for either reasons because of necessity, such as in the 90s or in the mid-2000s when they switched to PG, things like that. There have been these huge, big moments, capital M, in WWE's like, corporate history before, but certainly at a talent level and at a personnel level, um, it's hard to say that AEW haven't had something to do with it. What they've done is, if not, if WWE don't want to acknowledge this, that's one thing, but they, AEW changed the conversations of many of the fans that I guess had settled upon NXT, myself included at times, that had settled upon NXT is the best version of the, the best possible version of the thing they liked in North American terms. You know, it was other promotions, it was indies, if WWE just wasn't your sort of thing anymore. And AEW presented an alternative to the point where many people are abandoning WWE completely. And they're not just not watching it, they're not talking about it, they're not engaging with it. They've stopped following their favorites I know that's something that, again, myself included, many of us can just enjoy the wrestlers we like and sort of switch the rest off. I think there's a lot of people, anecdotally, that don't even seem to be doing that anymore. So if nothing else, certainly just strictly in terms of talent choices and the way they're kind of reshaping how their shows are going to look, I absolutely think you can credit the immediate success. And it's 
the immediate success of AW that doesn't feel rooted in short-termism. It feels mm. like AW have set out not just to be successful right now, but have clearly laid out a number of long-term strategies to be successful going forward for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, like, Vincent Mann might not watch, but he's got enough people that will watch for him mm. and probably aren't completely deaf to that. Sige, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Uh, now, uh, the mutants will sit here and say, oh, well, he's a paid AW show, all that bollocks. But I've known you for, for longer than AW's been around, obviously, and you've been crying out for any wrestling product to do something like what AEW has done. Um, but even as a fan of All Elite Wrestling, did you think it would happen like this so quickly, what, two years after the, uh, the birth of AEW? Well, it's so odd, the AEW question. Um, when you ask it at the same time as what's going on with mm. WWE right now. Because the idea was WWE, and I'm not saying that they overpaid because if anything, they underpaid virtually every single person contracted to that company. But through Vince McMahon's perspective, he thought he was overpaying the likes of AJ Styles and uh, the OC of the club or whatever that um, Anderson and Gallows were called by the end. They were still underpaid given the work that they do, the labour that they carry out compared to WWE's bottom line. If you look at who's making it happen versus who's getting the rewards for it happening, they're drastically underpaid. Let's just make that perfectly clear. So in Vince's eyes, he was drastically overpaying Gallows and Anderson with the idea being that they don't want the competition to benefit from having their services. And it's just the oddest thing that what's actually happened since AEW almost realized its promise is that these releases are happening when AEW is consistently, albeit gradually, but consistently growing its audience upon the return of fans. And that's what I can't work out. If they were so scared of an actual competitor, now that that actual competitor is competing, why have they then completely upended Mm. things they put in place to try and undermine this new competitor? It's so odd to me that maybe these swirling rumors of a sale do have some substance to them in some way. I can't work it out. I've just got a very conspiratorial theory that explains all of the releases, who's doing the releases, and who is getting released, which we will talk about imminently. Well, before we get there, Hamlet, the opposite really to you in terms of you know, you were one of the biggest supporters of NXT when I first arrived at What Culture. Um, but you yourself admitted earlier on that, you know, changes have needed to be made for, for over a year. What do you think about these major changes that are coming and this complete shift in, in, in focus and, and, and personnel as well? Honestly, and I don't want to keep repeating the point that we don't endorse mass releases or, you know, sort of loads and loads of talent being thrown on theoretically the wrestling scrap heap. Hopefully everyone will find work somewhere. Um, but in terms of just wholesale changes to NXT, massively in favour. Um, it's USP. Being honest, it's USP dissolved the second the AW Dynamite started. Um, and even like I'll back like particular periods of NXT in Dynamite's existence, but broadly as a show, it's 
purpose has ceased to really exist because there was a hardcore base of WWE fans largely dissatisfied with the main roster, but looking for a fairly glossy North American alternative that were satisfied enough with NXT. That's dissipating. And I include takeovers ultimately in that, especially in the empty arena era. Um, AW are far from a perfect pay-per-view company, but their major shows feel major in comparison to the NXT takeovers, which they've never balanced in this, you know, in this last sort of 18 months or so. Um, so wholesale changes are honestly welcome. And if there's one um, grain of positivity to be taken from this story, and I'm not including how much fun we can all have at the expense of a prodigal son-in-law here, a grain of positivity is that this show is in dire, dire need of a change. Um, it's long not been a developmental territory. It is no longer the hardcore fans' favourite. It's no longer subjectively putting on the best wrestling matches of the week or the best built wrestling matches of the week. Very few of its titles are as prestigious as it once as they once were. Um, it doesn't seem to be serving its purpose as a ratings winner for USA unless they've got incredibly low standards for it. And there are still sort of confusing, conflicting reports over what even USA Network is paying out for NXT in the first place. I'm not like adverse to change in pro wrestling and WWE often is. So I, I do genuinely welcome this. I don't have the answers right now as to what this NXT is going to look like. Um, but even just go back and listen to our, our, any of our reviews from the past year or so. The CWC in it, the ceiling that the people are never going to leave NXT hit in it. You know, the two and a half to three star match qualities weekly without any sort of proper story tying them all together just in it. Regardless of what gets changed there, whether it's top down with Triple H being chucked out on his ass in order to let somebody else book it effectively because he was once such a superb pro wrestling booker on that brand two three year period which i think he does deserve plaudits for that is long long past or whether it's the agent of the matches or as we've seen possible an upheaval of the talent the whole thing does need kind of tearing up and starting again so that could be the one saving grace from all of this thing is the monkey's paw is going to curl because this program ice cold dead bland stale Totally usurped USP-wise, as Hamphill pointed out, by AEW. What's it going to turn into? It's not going to turn into something that embodies the same spirit and values as AEW has done to so much success. Because it's not going to be like this really great angle and promo-heavy company. And if it's not going to be the company, the WWE brand anyway, that gives you the hot action, like what can it possibly be at this point? Here's a question, right? And I think it's of a grave concern to NXT in the pantheon of great, iconic professional wrestling promos, like King of the Ring, 1996, Hard Times, everything that Ric Flair did in 1986, everything The Rock said in the Attitude Era, that's like the A-star tier. I would argue that AEW is doing stuff in the A-tier. Like we haven't had enough time to register something like Cody's Ellis Island promo or MGF State of the Union address or the Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, Full Gear, Go Home but maybe time will tell and they will be in that stratosphere. Could you, Hamphlet, as a whatculture.com content producer, do 10 most iconic promos and put a single NXT one in there? No. no. They, re they relied on like pretty great and efficient sound bites like welded into very good video packages. That was always the trick, wasn't it, with NXT? That was always the trick and... That's what people are after. People are after the package. People are after the expression. 
people are after the energy, people are after the vibe of a like an energetic live professional wrestling show. The way that WWE cherishes polish and as you say, sound bites and all the gear, no idea, smoke and mirrors, it just makes me think that whatever philosophical change that NXT ushers in, it's not going to make a jot of a difference on the quality of the wrestling, which not many people care enough about. Evidently, looking at those ratings and looking at the engagement on social media, I just don't know what happens to NXT. All I know is it needed a change, but it's a change that WWE, like just constitutionally with the way it operates and the way it produces its television, just simply is not going to embrace. So the future used to be now, it is bleak. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Yeah, uh, I'm getting worried how often I break out this phrase of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. But it feels like making changes to NXT with the wider issues of the WWE products. Yeah, it's almost very futile and and just almost performative changes, Sige. But you mentioned, also, as you were talking about promos there from NXT, I was racking my brains thinking, oh God, if he comes to me to say, name, name a promo from NXT. And all I could think of from recent memory was Adam Cole's, you know what they make, do to make me feel special? They ring the damn bell thing with Karen Cross. And he might be off to AW anyway. So who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, uh, the, best, the best talk is in NXT wherever, right? Where, yeah. where are they now? But nah. here's the thing before we move on, like all the earliest indications of these changes coming to NXT are purely laughably cosmetic. I've read that the lighting, it's mm. true. The CWC is an absolutely bleak, drab, oppressive experience as a viewer. I don't think any brighter lights are going to change fundamentally the product like at all. And it just shows you where their heart lies, where their cold black 
dry hearts lie. Oh, it doesn't look that pretty. To make it a little bit pretty and get some like well-drilled lummoxes into work rubbish matches. But you know, they're big, so what does it matter? What, uh, what colours haven't they used on the ropes yet? In this, they haven't had green ropes in WWE yet. We'll get to that. <laughs> Just off the Global Force ones. That's when Jeff Jarrett comes in. <laughs> Finally, uh, a pitch that makes sense. <laughs> so, Sige, you mentioned the S-word, sale there. Uh, that alongside, well, all the other sweeping changes that we could see to WWE, good and bad. Should WWE fans be worried, be concerned by what, what comes next? That's a very open-ended question, this. Because I think a lot of WWE fans, those who are reasonable and in good faith recognize, look, this is a flawed product. They might still follow their favorite wrestlers on there. I enjoy watching really good wrestlers perform, even on the TV shows at times because they're so talented. But I would say that in good faith, there are a lot of WWE fans out there who are close to being lapsed, but still have certain performers they enjoy watching, and they are clinging on to the belief that if Vince McMahon sells, and certainly these releases are an indication that they are, you know, trying to make a nice prospectus, a nice sort of like asset, saleable asset. I don't think it's going to get any better. Like if they get sold to, for example, Disney or, you know, NBC Universal, um, they're not going to go, right, okay, well, it's a wrestling company. What should we do? And they've got some exciting angles going on in Game Changer Wrestling. Um, so let's see who's booking that and recruit them. They're still going to get is this app, like, totally super polished, like, international conglomerate of a company. They're still going to get, like, credited TV and film writers. Or maybe the guy who created the Attitude Era. I'm not sure what he's up to at the moment. But you honestly yeah. think he's going to be on my radar, Wilborn? He's gonna. No, he's gonna sell. He's not. They're gonna contact him. He's gonna contact them. But yeah. Jesus Christ! Well, is he working in TV right now? No, of course he isn't. And they will want TV writers. They want credited people who've got good CVs. Can you Even give yourself CV... TV credits from cameos or no? I don't know. Even though those CVs are woefully incompatible with professional wrestling, <laughs> or at least what people want professional wrestling to be, like the future of WWE will remain with or without Vince McMahon, totally slick action-adventure sports entertainment that doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with pro wrestling because even though the TV industry is increasingly desperate, people don't get how enormously well AEW has done to establish itself as a thing in the TV industry. Historically, people absolutely hate it, hate pro wrestling in the TV industry. Anecdotally, how many people watching or listening to this out there have hidden away their love of professional wrestling from their friends or prospective love interests because they think, well, I'm not going to get laid because I'm a mark. And they just think this is this lame thing that I like, right? It's, I hid it from my wife. For literally three months, I met her in March, 2011. And finally I had to let the cat out of the bag because I wanted to watch Money in the Bank. Why are you taking Monday off work? Well, it's a long story. It's just a random Monday. So I have, I've actually known each other for that long for, for those questions to be asked. But if you must know, see <laughs> comes to win the title and he's going to go and defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? Are we not, are we not going out tonight? Well, bye-bye. I'm staying in watching the wrestling. <laughs> Here's the thing. The TV industry hates, and the advertising industry historically do not like professional wrestling at all. They will, in the event that Vince McMahon 
finally retires or sells WWE, they are going to take WWE even further away from professional wrestling. Basically, what I'm saying is if you're a WWE fan, you're doomed. The sale, whether it's feasible or not, and, you know, a lot of officials, that officials, a lot of, like, credible, reputable reporters do believe there's something in this. Like Dave Meltzer, I know people in the comments section will have their own ideas of him, but I've got a good opinion of him. He reckons they've been trying to do this since 2016, so maybe this is all trending towards a sale. Who the hell knows? I don't think so. Hamlet, what do you think? Well, a sale, it's... It's never felt closer. Mm. I remember the, the last wave of Disney rumours, probably was actually maybe half a decade ago, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, right as the, um, probably right around the time the WWE Network came to life, actually, because all of a sudden they had this massive content library. It looked for the first time like something more sellable than just this weekly wrestling show. You had a very tightly arranged archive. You had something beyond just the weekly, like a, a traveling circus would effectively be what Disney would be paying a fortune for. And then all of a sudden these archives come with it. And then NBC take it for Peacock. And now all of a sudden it looks even more like, like the company itself looks more like a saleable asset. To think of, yeah, we don't have Peacock in the UK yet, but it is coming. But I can only imagine this is what it looks like to our um, US viewers and listeners, that you log on to your Netflix-like service in the form of Peacock. And there's just a button there that says, WWE. Now that's similar on my smart TV. There's a button there that says Disney. And that's suddenly all I need to reduce WWE to is that button. It doesn't particularly matter what happens week to week on Raw SmackDown. Pay-per-views aren't pay-per-views anymore. Like they never bothered with calling them specials, but they probably should have done because nobody's out there buying them after that campaign of calling people idiots for spending $50 on them. Like it is just a little logo on your smart TV that you can take or leave. And for the money that they might potentially recoup for that, Maybe they're willing to be just that. Mm. Um, it's again to like not to completely throw all of this back to AEW, but there is a wrestling company that is highlighting why WWE is not a wrestling company. Do you know what I mean? Like by mm. when you compare and contrast the two, it makes it abundantly clear what WWE is and what it isn't. So, aside from a sale, very hard to predict. This is where it's very unpredictable. First few months of 2021 and then it's gone even wilder since then what what happens next is it is it more releases is it possibly even changes to raw and smackdown for you hamlet or is it just seeing how things go with the slight tweaks that uh, sid alluded to on nxt and watching almost from a distance what happens with the likes of potentially punk and brian in AEW? I can't see anything changing about Raw, SmackDown. Again, like NXT currently unknown, but for all we know, it just could end up looking like another 205 Live or something like that. In terms of Raw, SmackDown, ultimately the, the big money makers for the organisation, they're not going to be bothered as long as they can pull passable crowds. And if you remember before the, like the pandemic hit, you remember those um, hard camera shots of WWE? You'd have like your SmackDown top guys cutting promos to absolutely nobody in the middle of programs that looked fairly hot on television. So they'll go back to the days of not filling buildings, but making them look full enough. SmackDown and Raw will presumably, at least for one more cycle, command astonishing rights fees. 
like the last slot were massive enough. I, I remember conversations in our offices ahead of the 2018 announcement of the 2019 deals where we were thought they can't get the same deals they got last time. And then they double trebled, quadrupled them. You know, SmackDown became the first ever billion dollar wrestling show. So it'd be foolish not to assume it's going to go that way again for at least one more cycle. Content is still king. WWE have still amazingly managed to exist in the gray area between live sport and entertainment that actually keeps viewers over, say, like a three hour window on a Monday night in a way that a game show or a sitcom or whatever wouldn't. So they're going to be able to like milk that, I would say, for at least one more set of deals. And ultimately, that buys them time as well. Even if they haven't sold by then, they will continue to earn, as CM Punk said, money in spite of themselves. You know, like Raw and SmackDown may not get any better, but yet may continue to earn more. And, you know, to as a sort of a question more, I guess, rhetorically than anything else, how's that gone over the last few years? Because it's not suddenly, they're not earning their money by producing a better show, are they? It's just continued to WWE along, regardless of the increased fees. If the format of Raw and SmackDown had changed to any extent over the past 21, 22 years, I might be inclined to think that, oh, you know, like things might change. The only thing that's going to change is that your independent contractors are going to get a foot taller and um, exponentially less talented from the sounds of things. Look, we're going to tie this into the question. You can ask me about Triple H next, Willborn, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's happening is that WWE is taking a black eye in the form of an upstart pro wrestling competitor. Two absolutely massive carnies in Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis have got in Vince McMahon's ear and have said, we've been screwing around with these skinny fat asses for too long. That's not us. That's not us. We built our brand on giants. Let's go back to the giants. Well, what about my son-in-law? Fuck him. Um, can, I do the, can I do the well-born segue, though? Speaking of uh, six-foot, nearly 300-pound guys that could never really work, let's talk about Triple H's involvement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what does all this mean as we bring this to a close for, for Triple H, Sige? He's knackered. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I, I can't look at various news stories that have kind of emerged over the past six to eight months to now and not walk away with the impression that Vince McMahon has lost all professional respect for Triple H. And it's Bruce Pritchard's fault. This is tinfoil hat stuff. But they're just ever since Bruce Pritchard came into power, like NXT is sort of like receded from view in Vince McMahon's mind. If you look at the contrast between WrestleMania 36 and 37, no NXT presence. If you look at the Elimination Chamber Raw match from this year, not that you can remember who was in it, but the median age was about like 42. There was the only guy who was in that match who was in NXT, which has been a thing for years and years at this point. So much so you would have really thought back in your more naive 2015 days that, oh, it's going to have a substantial effect on WWE for the, in the years to come. And it's going to be a much better WWE for it because the NXT of 2015 was so great. The only person who'd been in NXT in that match was Drew McIntyre. And he only came back to NXT after like years in exile where he got really, really good. And he wasn't there for very long, realistically. Like, if you look at what's happening with Karrion Cross. It's not ineptitude, it's antagonism. Like he's antagonizing Triple H. He is bollocking Triple H in effect for losing this war. That's a 
it's a question though. Is Vince McMahon that cruel or is he that incompetent? Maybe it's a mixture of both. Because <laughs> it is both. But everything I'm interpreting from remember those reports of Keith Lee, amongst others, Bruce Pritchard and Vince's ears say, I don't know how to work. What's going on in that performance center? And there were reports that Keith Lee, um, before his undisclosed medical issue or issue, um, was getting sent back for additional training at the performance center. All of this has been bubbling like for quite some time. Mm. Slow creeping resentment that hey, is Triple H like not the successor to this throne. Do do do. I don't think he is. I'm telling you, man, there's something about Bruce Pritchard. These bastards are like heartless, ruthless carnies who want that throne for themselves, Laurenitis and Pritchard. And I'm telling you, they are in Vince's ear and they are telling him, like, look at the next T. Bit rubbish. They are legitimately making power plays for WWE right now. And this is a bit conspiratorial. And I will caveat this rant, this diatribe with that in mind. But you can't tell me that those two don't want Triple H's role in the next 10, 20 years, knowing that Vince maybe doesn't have 10 or 20 years left. And it extends further, like the Bronson Reed thing is criminal. And a one show, one angle thing, sudden Christ, okay, Vince wants Bronson for the main roster. I need that title for my show. We'll do like a very quick impromptu angle, setting up an impromptu match take the North American title away from him and off he goes. Vince McMahon looks at him and goes, all right, you know, good. Uh, he's wrong, obviously, but he looks at Bronson Reed and says, meh, gone. Like, Triple H is going to have to look at that and think, well, he's not a quote-unquote midget, like an undersized professional mm-hmm. wrestler. If anything, he's really close to someone that Vince McMahon would get. And on two separate drastic whims, he's gone from dropping the title to dropping out of the company. If you're Triple H, that's a message. It's a message being sent to him that you can't do anything right. It's not just these bloody Garganos and Champers that you're intent on pushing. Can't even get your big lads right. Look at Cross and Reed. I'm going to bury him and I'm going to release the other because you're a naughty boy who lost to Tony Khan. Like, I'm telling you, like, there's going to be a drastic fallout. Triple H might even leave. If you're Triple H right now, bear in mind, Johnny Ace released talent on your behalf like almost a, f- like a full decade after you took his job. You've got to be thinking, I've never been further away from taking that throne. And how much has that got to annoy you? How much has that got to piss you off? Like He's getting bollocked by Vince McMahon passive-aggressively, indirectly, through the booking of Raw and SmackDown right now. I think a lot of this is the petulant act of someone who is rejecting the prodigal son. I'm playing okay. final words of, of support for Triple H. Not really, no. Um, you know, what goes around comes around with Triple H. This this is like part two of a one-two punch that the first one took place in 2019. Um, Vincent Mann wanted a bunch of NXT guys, so Triple H thought he was getting away by sending him eight by tens of the muscliest in Lars Sullivan and EC3 and the blonde in Lacey Evans. He thought, I've got away with this, brilliant. And Vince like, nah, don't like those, give me your four best. And then he has to stumble onto Raw with the Kirby Enthusiasm music and say, right, Gargano, Champa, Alistair Black, Ricochet, up you come. And Vince Mann says, I don't like your little guys either. Put them in tag teams and get them out of my sight. Like this, is, that was his first punishment and this is his second. And I feel no sympathy for Triple H. Not, neither should anybody else. Had a hell of a run. He hasn't deserved half of it. Um, and ultimately, like he knows what this game is because he started it 10 years ago. 
he started it longer with others and he started it with these exact characters. You know, I, I don't believe that Triple H and Stephanie were on fabulous terms with Bruce Pritchard when he left in the late 2000s. Um, there was a power struggle at the centre of that. Then, of course, as we've gone over in the past, that infamous promo Triple H cut where there was none of those guys in the back good enough to face The Undertaker. So basically uh, knocking out John Laurinaitis' entire talent development era. This is just, you know, Laurinaitis waiting it out and getting his opportunity to do it back. Pritchard waiting it out because he had Vince's right hand in like the real golden era, the 1980s golden era that Vince will never be able to switch off or forget about. So, yeah, um, Triple H has got his, we'll probably stick with it. Um, be so funny if he actually left. Be like one of the stories of all time if Triple H did a Shane McMahon and just sort of thought, you know, I don't want anything to do this. I don't like this power struggle anymore. I'm going to back away for a little bit. I don't think he will, but it's really hard to chart how he's going to have any influence in the short to medium term after the last, what we can judge from the last sort of 12 to 18 months. I can't imagine he's going to have any sway over much of importance for a few years now. He spent virtually all of his adult life, like even in 1996, he reckons like, I want all of this. I want all of this. The first time he picked up a click bag, he had this in mind and he's arrived at this moment at this time of recording where his champion is getting treated the same as the deep South wrestling champion would have had they been put on raw for whatever reason to take a look at him. Like, oh, I, I, I don't like triple H as a human being, as a performer, particularly much. Even I feel a little bit of pity because he's getting buried right now. Very interesting to see where everything heads next with WWE. What, let us know your thoughts on what is really going on in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Uh, and subscribe to What Cool Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, including it's going to be an eventful one this week, previews and reviews of NXT, of course. Plus, you can let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. And watch say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.